Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, Wanastainuhu, Wanastagfiruhu, Wanubinubihi, Wanatawakalu Alay. When I udu belahim in Shururi and Fusina, women say ati amalina, Mayahdihilah who fell out with Dilla, Mayudil who fell out had the Allah. When I shadu Allah, Ilaha illallah, when I shadu Anna Muhammadan Abduhu or a Sulu, for Sallallah who Alehi was Salamat Sliman Kathir and Kathira, Ama Baad. For now the belahim in a shaitan or regime, Bismillah Rahman or Rahim, for all Allah who ta'ala fil Quran il Kareem. يا أيها الذين آمنوا اصبروا وصابروا ورابطوا واتقوا الله لعلكم تفلحون صدق الله وليلتين. My beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say Alhamdulillah. نحمده. We praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. Wanasta'inuhu, we seek his help. Wanastaghfiruhu, we seek his forgiveness. Wanu'minu bihi, wanatawakalu alayh. We believe in him and we trust and rely upon him. And we seek refuge with God from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. We bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. There are no partners to Allah, there is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and many more, and many more. And my beloved brothers and sisters, I ask you the same question I ask every single time I stand before you. That is for you and I to take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves what is changing. Compare yourself again to the beginning of the semester. What were you like at the beginning of the semester? And compare that person with the person you are now, now that we have reached December. What is the condition of your heart today compared to what it was uh, 13 year, uh, weeks ago? Compare your interactions today with what they were some 13 weeks ago. And then compare what's happening in our society and compare what's happening in our world with what things were like at the beginning of the school year. In the globe, we have the ongoing situations in so many places in the world, and we keep hearing about, for example, bloodshed taking place in Syria to the point that the bloodshed is so mind-boggling that we don't even hear about it in the news anymore. And then, of course, we have the ongoing situations in Iraq, Afghanistan, Palestine, etc., etc. And what is that a reminder of? At the very, very least, that there are fundamental problems of the world of people exploiting, and people keep getting called back to their creator. But bring it back to our society, those of you who were at Murphy's event yesterday or not, much of the discussion was about what's taking place in our society in light of the presidential campaign or the presidential election. And we've already talked about this a few times, that it is completely understandable that many of us in this room are feeling afraid in response to what has happened in terms of the election and the cabinet that has been forming since then. And it's also wonderful to note that Loyola, at least yesterday, announced that it is a sanctuary campus for undocumented students, as well as for students of all faiths, which is especially giving focus to us. And as I've said before, I have no idea where we're going to be a year from now. And it's odd that I even have to say that. We have no idea. But we do, we can assume that the violence that is taking place, we keep hearing about violence more and more taking place, uh, that will probably keep increasing over the course of the next few months, at least into the inauguration and maybe after that. 
Hopefully things will die down, but we have no idea where things are going from here. Nevertheless, that does bring us to the other two questions. What is the nature of your relationships and what is the nature of your relationship with the divine? So take a look at yourself. If not, going back to the end of August and take a look at yourself since the election. If you found yourself feeling afraid since the election, perhaps even today, and I've mentioned before that I've had students who have been too afraid immediately after the election to even go to class, to even leave their houses, which is natural, but ask yourself what you have changed about the nature of your relationships between then and now. If I haven't changed anything, then I'd have to question whether my fear is actually fear or my fear is actually an escape. And it's a serious, tough question. Because the deeper question, what is the condition of my heart? How has my heart changed? Again, either we can look back to the beginning of November or the beginning of the school year. And the same question, that if I feel that there is an imminent threat taking place or growing in our society, and I have done nothing to change anything about myself or my condition, then do I actually believe that there's a threat, right? This, I mean, this is you find all across philosophy, that you can say whatever you want, but your actions reveal what you truly believe. So take a look at your relationship with your creator. And then the point taken from there further is whatever it is that I think of my creator truly in my heart, will then inform how I understand what happens in my world. So if when I think of the divine, I think of the divine as absent, and I'm hit with a tragedy, then I will at most wonder where the divine is to help me, or I will not think of the divine. If I truly in my heart think of the divine as merciful, and then I'm in a car accident, for example, I'll think to myself, this car accident was so horrible, so many bad things happened, but, thanks to the mercy of God, it is not worse than it was. And so ask yourself, what is the condition, what is the way you look at the divine truly in your heart? Because if I ask us, what do you think of the divine, all of us are going to say he's merciful. But what do you truly think of when you think of the divine in your heart? And again, that is sometimes a difficult question. Very often students come to me and tell me that they're convinced that the divine hates them. Why? just because he does. Or that the divine is seeking to punish them. Why? Just because I'm such a bad person. But the point I want you to think about is that you control in your heart what you think of when you think of the divine. So if you want to think of the divine as absent, that is a choice that you're making. It is a choice that you can change. If you want to think of the divine in your heart as someone who is out to punish you for every single one of your small indiscretions, that is a choice that you make. But my suggestion to you is to think of the divine not only as one who is pouring mercy on you, pouring mercy on me like a waterfall, but also that he is always near, right? We are taught in the Quran that he's closer to you than the veins in your neck, which means what? Where is he? He's in your heart. But that is a choice you and I make. You start with the choice of determining where and who the divine is to you, whom the divine is to you. And take a moment, even right now, think to yourself, what do you think of when you think of the divine? Again, that is something you control. And then that is something that informs how you understand the world around you. 
So if in your heart you truly see the divine as merciful, you will see your experience in life as mercy. If you see the divine as powerful and subjugating, then that is how you will interpret what is happening in the world around you. And then this next question from there is, what do you think of religion? What do you think of deen? What do you think of Islam? And the common mistake we have, which is something that we're all groomed for through Sunday school, unfortunately, is that when we think of our religion, we think of it as a bunch of rules. Don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this, eat this, eat this, don't drink this, don't drink this, don't drink this, don't talk to those people, talk to these people, don't do this, do that. And it's an endless, bottomless list, and that is a big fundamental mistake. <clears throat> In the simple proof of that, that we've shared before is consider how many passages, how many verses, how many ayat there are in the Quran, well over 6,000, of which at most 9% are instructions, meaning 90% are not instructions. But the deeper question there is when you imagine your practice of Islam, do you imagine it to be something that is a burden on your life? Because if you feel, again, in your heart that it is a burden, then that's actually telling you what you think of the divine, that the divine is burdening you, that it would make life easier not to listen to the divine. So one choice that you and I make is how we imagine the divine himself. Another choice that we make is how do we imagine our system of beliefs. And so I made the suggestion that when you think of Allah, think of him as pouring mercy upon you. And always so close that he is in your heart. And to really make that point, think about when you're making a prayer. That the divine has reached the prayer even before it's left your tongue. Because here's where the prayer is going to. Think about that. And sometimes it's easy to fall into the trap of just making prayers almost mindlessly just because it becomes a routine. Make it an active process and understand that it has been answered before it even leaves your tongue. And those of you who've been with me for quite some time, you've heard me say many times that me in my old age, when I look back on my life, I really find myself thinking every single prayer I've ever made has been answered. I just didn't see it at the time that I'd look back 10 years later, I'd look back 20 years later, and then realize these events happened in my life, which were very much related to prayers that I made in my life. I just didn't see it at the time. I didn't see it for a decade. So again, it's a choice. And so when you imagine your Islam, imagine it the way you imagine exercise, that it's something that maybe you don't want to do. It's a burden that you might be carrying in the short term that gives you tremendous ease once you do it. That if you go to the gym on a regular basis, if you eat right on a regular basis, again, you might be doing things you may not enjoy doing as much, but it makes you feel so much better. Because what are we taught right in the Quran, especially in the passages on fasting, that God wishes for you ease, not difficulty. That even when we speak of the Sharia, Islamic law, the basic idea of the Sharia, the basic idea of Islamic law is that if you practice it, it will actually make your life easier. That if you choose to do the opposite of it or neglect it, it will make your life more difficult. How? 
in terms of the way you live your life. So what is the, an essential goal of religion? At one level, it's to be prepared for salvation. At another level, it's to be closer to the divine. But put all these things together, it's to help you navigate through life. To help you navigate through whatever it is that hits you through life. So another question to think about when you think about your Islam, do you feel that way about your Islam? That it is helping me to get through what is happening in life. Because this becomes a fundamental question right now. When we speak about what's happened or since the election and what might happen in the very near future, that will my Islam, which is already a label attached to me by many people who are haters, if not worse, is it something that is still, even in difficulty, going to make my life easier? And I'm suggesting to each and every one of us, make the answer to that question be absolutely yes. This is something that I've mentioned before, that people of belief, not only Islam, people of belief, tend to be much better at dealing with the tragedies of life, in my anecdotal experience, than people without belief. But seriously, think about this as a choice, as a choice that you and I make. And then from there, we've spoken about what you think of when you think of God, what you think of when you think of Islam, and then what do you think of when you think of yourself? All of these are related. Do you see yourself as someone of value? Because we're taught that the greatest of all creation are the human beings, and the greatest of all human beings are the prophets, peace be upon them, and the greatest of all the prophets is the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon them. But what am I saying here? That when you think of yourself, do you think of yourself as someone endowed with this innate dignity, this innate value? And I'm saying you should. Which then means that you do not accept behavior that is less than what you are worth. You do not accept conduct that is less than what you are worth. Because one of the teachings of the prophet, peace be upon him, is that a believer does not harm, but a believer also does not get harmed. A believer does not harm, but a believer also does not allow him or herself to be harmed. Why? Because that is what you are worth. Because let's face facts that we know that when we speak of privilege and white privilege, which is a lot of people, what a lot of people have been speaking about lately, privilege seems to be the, the word that everybody in college loves to use more than everything else, except for maybe normalization. And the point to think about is that when we speak of something like white privilege, white male privilege, and if that is not you, then you might internalize the sense that there is something deficient about yourself. That if you're not a male, you might be getting convinced by society that there is something deficient about you. And what am I saying? Make it a choice as a reminder to remind yourself of the innate dignity that you have, that you've been endowed with because you have been created by the divine. The innate value that you have, and then look at what only suits your value. Now this doesn't mean obviously to be arrogant because I'm saying that about the person sitting next to you and the person sitting behind and in front of you also. But why is this important? because this will help you deal with fear. Because what is fear? Number one, fear is natural when you have the unknown in front of you. And as I said, I don't know where we're gonna be in a year from now. But fear is what? Fear contains hope within it. Because you're saying, I fear this bad thing will happen, but I hope it will not. And hope has fear built into it, that I hope this good thing will happen, but I fear that it will not. So what am I saying? Even if you feel fear, 
That means by definition you have hope. But if you believe that, the God is, that God is pouring mercy upon you, and if you believe that your practice of Islam will make your life easier at the very least to cope with what is happening, and you feel that you have been endowed by the Creator with dignity, then that means that no matter whatever it is that hits you and I, we can get through it. And when we look throughout the world at all the different horrible things that are happening, maybe those things will happen here. We hope not. We fear they might. We hope not. But the point is that we'll get through. So now let us take a moment and ask Allah for forgiveness. We express our praise and gratitude to God and we seek blessings upon the Prophet, peace be upon him. So what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? When I tell you that I have no idea what will be ahead of us over the next few months or the next few years, I could tell you to be afraid and that gives you no benefit whatsoever. That disempowers you. But my responsibility as your older brother, as your guide, as your chaplain, is to figure out how to empower you as we wonder if there's a storm in front of us. And again, number one, be conscious and make a choice about how you see the divine. Number two, be conscious and make a choice about how you see Islam. And number three, be conscious and make a choice about how you see yourself. But then leads to how do you see other people? We are taught that believers are mirrors for each other. And this is a fascinating teaching. How? That if you want to figure out what it is you need to work on in your character, in your behavior, one thing to look at is any criticism anyone gives you, stranger or friend. And sometimes those criticisms are not valid. Sometimes they are. And so one of our scholars in history, Imam Shafi'i, he used to just apply, consider every criticism, and just act as though it's true and change whatever it is that he needs to change. That is very hard to do. But what am I saying? One way and one thing to focus on in your interaction with other people is that they become a sounding board through which you can focus on what you need to change. Another, and this is pretty deep, so it might take a moment to really comprehend. When you look at someone, especially someone you know, and you make judgments about them, maybe about their intentions, maybe about their behavior. Believers are mirrors for each other. What you're actually seeing is something that's in yourself that you've projected onto them. So maybe some of you are looking at me and thinking, okay, this guy's just showing off. Hopefully not, but maybe you're thinking that what you are actually doing is projecting yourself onto me. And I know I'm sure all of you are thinking, mashallah, he's standing here, he's so awesome. I can't, I can't believe what greatness I'm in the presence of, no, obviously I'm kidding. The point I'm making is don't look for negative in other people, but look for the negative that you automatically see in other people, because that's actually in yourself, that you are projecting onto them. That is something in you that you're noticing in them because it's in you. But people here are not to serve you and I. What else can also help you and I in dealing with difficulty is having strong relationships. You don't need to be a believer to have strong relationships. But when you and I talk to people more on our phones than face to face, that is the illusion of a relationship, right? When you have a thousand friends on Facebook, that's the illusion 
of popularity. If you Snapchat your life away, that is the illusion of being active. Saying spend time with each other, break bread with each other. A lot of times we think that to grow in your Islam, you have to attend lecture after lecture after lecture after lecture. And I have given and I've attended a zillion lectures. And at some point, it's the law of diminishing returns. Because you've already heard everything. Everything that I've said, you've probably heard in some words or others. But how do you really grow in your Islam? How do you develop stability in your Islam? You spend time with each other. That will give you more stability than knowledge will. You spend time with each other, that will strengthen your heart more than knowledge will. And what I'm saying almost sounds blasphemous, but this is true. Because what did we call the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him? We called them companions. We didn't call them students. They were his students. They were his companions. So especially in these college years, and especially even now in these last few weeks, Cultivate your friendships. Cultivate them by spending time with each other. Face to face, not through screens. Keep doing this because it's fun. But the point I'm making is look at each other face to face. Talk to each other face to face. Which also means that you with all your flaws and complexities is interacting with someone else and their flaws and complexities and that's part of the human experience. When you limit yourself to screen interactions, you don't, you're not as forgiving about people's complexities because that's just the nature of this type of communication. And I'm telling you that's the flavor of being a human, just being complicated, having a history of wonderful things and difficult things. And as you develop a relationship and love and friendship with your fellow, that you learn about yourself, you learn about each other through these complexities. And this will then help you navigate the world. So just a few simple suggestions in terms of dealing with the unknowns, whether it's something a year from now or a few weeks from now. Once again, when you think of the divine, understand you control what you think of the divine. And think of the divine as closer to you than you are to yourself and pouring mercy upon you. And when you think of your Islam, Think of your Islam, even if it is a burden, a slight burden that actually makes your life in this world easier, that if you did not practice it, your life would actually be more difficult. And then when you look at yourself, look at yourself as endowed with dignity from the divine and worth a high standard of conduct and a high standard of language and a high standard of esteem. And last, develop your relationships with each other one, as a way to see what it is you actually need to work on, and two, just to develop these relationships. And the benefits are on and on beyond that. So with that, I remind you of someone who is the master of all of these things. Our prophet, may peace be upon him. And the translation is, indeed, 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 Allah and his angels send blessings upon the prophet. O oh, you who believe, send blessings upon the prophet. Inna allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet. 
peace be upon him and upon his family and upon his companions and extend the blessings and peace upon them. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, our creator, grant us the best of this life and the best of the hereafter and protect us from the fire. O oh, turner of hearts, turn our hearts to your obedience. And if we have any rancor against any of our brothers and sisters, guide us to wash it out of our hearts. And as we study for these last few weeks of our semester and our finals, grant us the grades that will make us very happy. And for those of us who have to grade those papers, please make it as easy as possible. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Aqeem as-salah.